0: Let us pray together. God of grace and glory, we ask for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon our congregation. Because lives change and the whole world changes when we can say with Mary, those five words, I have seen the Lord, I have met the Lord. And we pray through music and word and proclamation that each of us would be able to leave here this morning saying those five words, maybe for the first time or in some deeper way. And it's in Christ's name that we pray Amen. Our gospel reading opens this morning with Mary Magdalene, sick with grief, stumbling in the morning darkness toward the tomb of Jesus. Three days earlier, you'll remember, she was among the few, the few, who actually stayed with Jesus as he was brutally executed on the Roman cross. And now she returns with others to grieve at his tomb. And remember that it was Jesus. It was Jesus who earlier set her free, cast out seven demons from her, setting her free From her terrible spiritual bondage and all the social isolation that went along with that spiritual bondage. And so now our dear Mary Magdalene refuses to abandon her Savior. Even when his life has been extinguished and his whole movement has been crushed, she's there with him. Now, finding the stone rolled away, she runs to share the shocking news with the other disciples and soon returns with Peter and John. And after they confirm and believe, what do they believe? Only that the tomb is empty The two disciples go home and leave Mary Magdalene bewildered and stunned now by the tomb to continue her grieving. No one is expecting resurrection. No one is remembering that Jesus had said that three days later he would rise. An empty tomb simply means that his body has been taken away and stolen. And here in the garden, we begin to experience again the central power of story in our Christian faith. We're not saved by a code of ethics or by a new religious idea. We are invited into a living story about Our risen Lord. And in this story today, there are all these intriguing little details. Details lovingly recorded for us by the eyewitnesses of those who saw them first. How about this detail of Peter and John in a foot race to the tomb? And then we have this detail of who went in first? Who went in first? Peter. Who got there first? John. An eyewitness detail. And then we get inside the tomb. And rather than burial clothes piled here and there, oh no, 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 no. Jesus' headcloth is neatly... Wound up in a special place, an eyewitness detail. And then a little bit later, we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee with Jesus and his disciples, and this carpenter is going to tell these fishermen where to cast their nets, and they haul in a haul like they've never had before. But it's not just a big haul. How many fish? 153, another eyewitness detail. These stories refuse to let us stand at a distance. They draw us in. They invite us all to come in and find our place in this living story. And friends, are we invited to enter into the story in any other one more intimately than in our story today in the garden. When Mary first sees her risen Lord, she supposes him to be the gardener. Well, maybe she's not wrong. Theologians over the years have said that Jesus is indeed the gardener, the gardener of the new garden of creation. Well, maybe with a bit of irony, Jesus asks her who she's looking for. And she answers that she's only looking for the missing body. And here we reach the climax of our story when Jesus suddenly calls her name, Mary. Mary. His voice penetrates And transforms her sorrow. Deep speaks to deep here. There's only one person on the whole planet who can speak her name in that way, and it is Jesus. And so immediately she turns to Jesus and she cries out, Rabuni. And she experiences all over again the all embracing love that she used to feel. In his presence. Throughout Scripture, we witness the tremendous power of God calling us by name. God calls the young Samuel in the temple one night with a little help from the priest Eli. In our reading today from Isaiah 43, God says, I have called you by name and you are mine. And other times, God even changes people, changes their names and people to fit their new callings. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. There's something about our name that evokes, that goes to the core of who we are and evokes the fullest sense of who we are. And the beautiful thing is that in our day, God is not silent, but continues to call people by name. This past week, Sue Shirk shared with me the story of how when she was a 10-year-old at a revival at McCaskey High School, 1958. Thank you, Sue. Now, the interesting thing about this story is she didn't hear God call Sue. She heard Darlene. Darlene, which is the name that she had as a child and young adult. And it's on that day that she went forward and gave her life to Christ. And more recently, in 2006, Barry Friesen, at 58 heard God call him to start speaking out about the violence and the deceptions of empire, the empire that we live in. Even in our day, God continues to call us by name. Now in our Easter story today, Mary now holds on to Jesus for dear life. Can you blame her? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't I? She has lost fellowship with her Savior once and she never wants to lose His presence again. Can't everything just go back to the way that it used to be? But Jesus now tells Mary... Don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. There's no going back to the good old days. When the Father raises him, Jesus isn't just resurrected. Or excuse me, he is not just restored to the old way that he once was. He is resurrected. He is transformed and made radically new. Jesus dies and Christ Rises. And in his risen glory, he is different enough that those who know him best don't immediately recognize him. Now, before he ascends, he wants to invite Mary and he wants to invite us into the awesome intimacy. That he shares with the Abba. Verse 17 Go to my followers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Christ now wants to share with Mary and the whole human family his deep and abiding communion with God to complete the mission for which he has been sent. Now, I shared that story this morning about all the Marys who followed Jesus probably because when I first was married, I married into a family where there was more than one Todd. My dear brother-in-law, his name is Todd. And then along came another brother-in-law whose middle name was Todd. And sometimes when we first got together at the Allwine's I'd hear someone cry out, Todd! And I'd jump and my head would hit the ceiling. But then eventually I learned, and this is the privilege of being a son-in-law, that my name was not Todd, it was Todd And so after a while, when I heard, Todd, I didn't even look. (laughs) But of course, I did look when I heard, Todd. Now in the garden today, when Jesus calls out Mary's name, she has no doubt that he is calling her name alone. This is deep, speaking to her deep. And you know, I doubt very much that this is the first time that Jesus called out Mary's name in this way. When he cast out and set her free from all that held her in, spiritually, in spiritual bondage, don't you think he said and called her by that same name, Mary? Mary? And don't you think that during those days where she couldn't believe that she was free and made new, where she still felt self-hatred or fear or anger, don't you think that Jesus still called out her name in that way? Mary. There's something in his calling her by name that goes right to the core of who she is waking her up and helping her to see now clearly through her tears. Sometimes we see most clearly through our tears. Hearing the risen Jesus now call out her name fills her with such unquenchable joy that she goes running out of the garden, To become an apostle to the apostles. The first eyewitness to the resurrection. An evangelist now with a five-word message that will change the world. I have seen the Lord. I shared this with you last year and I'm... Maybe I'll share it with you every Easter. The words of the English theologian Rowan Williams. He says that when we celebrate Easter, we are really standing in the middle of the second Big Bang. A tumultuous surge of divine energy as fiery and as intense as the very beginning of the universe. In raising Jesus from the dead, God vindicates his teachings vindicates his self-giving love vindicates his awesome forgiveness and nonviolent resistance on the cross the powers of evil and death and sin are exposed as broken And defeated. And Easter is the first day of God's new heavens and new earth. On Easter morning, God's new creation begins. And as our Colossians reading reminds us today... The resurrection of Jesus is not just something that we are invited to believe in, to give mental assent to. No, it is a reality that we are invited to experience in our own lives. Our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? It's a mystery that we can contemplate for the rest of our lives. Our lives are hidden in Christ with God. Easter is the awakening of God's life within us. Christ is risen is not just the eyewitness account of Mary, but it is the cry of all of his followers across the centuries who have experienced Christ rising in them. And here this morning, our risen Lord is calling each of us by name. Clayton. Kendra, Trace, Keith, Herb, Sue, Jay, all of you calling us to his special ministry of going out now into the world to call everyone we meet by their Name. Deep, speaking to deep, calling our children and our grandchildren, our co workers, our students, and our neighbors, calling them to become who they really are in Christ. Easter people, and to experience the joy of ever rising again. Amen.